What's up? What's up? Hunger Pod Live family. Welcome to another week and another episode with me and Tony. What's your up, Your favorite y'all? happy hour duo. Your favorite happy what's hour up? duo. What's up? I am Eric, aka Life Coach Eric, aka Tennis Bay. It's good to see y'all. And, and it's good I to am see Tony you. Purnell. I am your homie. I'm your brother and I am your friend, otherwise known as The Light Worker. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? <laughs> and this is episode what? 19? 19? We, Ooh. we get there. We almost the there. End we almost there. Yeah, that's all I know. <laughs> it's giving boys to men. No to you. We are getting we're not there yet. So we're not gonna we're not gonna you know be sad or you know mm-hmm. we are gonna save that for the next episode but we getting close to that but I think what you're saying Tony is that it's just that sense of accomplishment yeah we we almost yeah. there we almost you know yeah. we about to wrap it up it's a wrap it's almost a wrap we got one more episode to the close of this season but just hang tight all right hang tight how you feeling <laughs> how you feeling I'm good I'm actually appreciating this week we had a little burst of warm weather. And I'm here for it, Tony. Okay. I'm here for it, Tony, because, you know, you start to see those little, them little green, what do you call them? Where the tulips come up. But first you see the little green. Oh, yes. Yes. You it's put like, that one in your you Instagram. You see that first. That's like the first sign of yeah. like, yo, spring is on the way. It's coming around the corner. And I appreciate the warmer months because that's yeah. it's all about the beach for me. Tony, are spring you- Spring is my favorite season. I was going to ask my you if you like the warmer- fa- I hate the winter. Oh. I'm a winter baby, but I hate the winter. I was about to say you're a winter baby. Mm-hmm. I thought the la- like, most winter babies mm-hmm. love the layering, the boots. The, First the of coats, all, the... speaking about winter, I only like the winter because of the fashion. If you can dress in the winter time, come on for the fashion. We know you can dress because anybody can dress in summer. It's a fucking tank top, a piece of short, and you, don't you know really that's it. That much at all. That's what I'm saying. I'm when you dress to in the winter time, much at all. we know you can dress. So I'm I'm, a, I'm here for the springtime weather though. My absolute favorite season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's cool. I appreciate you checking in with me. How you doing, light worker? I'm doing good this week. I'm doing real good. I'm a little sad because I didn't have a Valentine's this year. You know, so um, we're rooting for next year. You know, but I did want to talk about something like really briefly because they talk about, what is it, uh, Matt? You said side, side girlfriend, side boyfriend day is either the day before or the day after. It's Valentine's usually day. the day after, isn't it? Is it the day after? Yeah. Okay, so, and I didn't even have a side nigga day. I didn't have a Valentine's Day or a side nigga day. It was Slim Pickens this year. I was right along with you. But you know what, Tony? Honestly, truly, I cannot tell you the last time I had a Valentine's I cannot remember the last time I having a Valentine's Day. We're going to get you one next year. We're going we gonna to pray Ooh. anointing over this stage. We're going to get you one next year, okay? Get you one, too. You wasn't the only... <laughs> no, you... I'm about to... While you praying for me, you better be manifesting for your damn I know self. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. I'm sorry. Wait. That was the Henny shot. What's up? We we up in here. <laughs> anyway, I'm about to knock his ass out. <laughs> I just told you I felt some type of way about not having one. But anyway, anyway. Um, I was trying to make yeah. light of it. I know. I know. It's, it's, it's tough. A lot of us go without... Yeah, we do. So this is, is this for the single lovers? This is for the lovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is episode we're going to dedicate to everybody who did not 
have a Valentine this year. Yeah, yeah, I can be your official one. You can buy me for next year. If you don't have one, and I might not have one next year, but I'm saying you can rent me to be your boyfriend for the day. Are you trying to be auctioned off like they used to do back in high school? This is some good merch. Is it? What's what's the going rate? Um, it averages. You know, it's 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 different. It's seasonal. You know the price. So I don't. You know, it's different for everybody. It depends on what your needs are. It's a package rate. You might not need a lot. And it depends on the market. So, you Supply know, you might just demand. need we a gotta... boyfriend for one hour to meet your family, or you might need them for the rest of the day. Okay? I love it, Tony. So, let's get into these um, hung-up hang-ups. Let's get you know, into it. You know. This is our favorite you know segment we love it. of the show. And you what did you know say? we love it. Hit it, boys. Hit it, boys. Bam, bam, bam. What? I was like, I have not let this drink go. Usually I can give it a whole little, you know, like I'm playing the drums, but, you know, I couldn't because I was holding mm-hmm. I got to be, you know. You got our first one. So are you hung up? Are you hanging up? Tony, yes, the light worker, on Rihanna's Super Bowl halftime performance. Um... I knew, oh. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I fucking knew it. I, so, <laughs> What's wrong with y'all? What you want? What First you- of all, now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Wait, I, Thank you I, for I, your I, service, Rihanna. Said. I think she she's Thank about to she's about to just she about to she about to leave us on out. She about to leave us. She about to leave the entertainment industry on this side. If your ass knew you was pregnant and you couldn't commit to doing like how you knew you should have been doing it, then you should have said, no, Super Bowl, I'm going to see y'all next time. <clears throat> Ain't like she, she wouldn't get another offer. You knew you was not going to commit to the level that you needed to after being, how long she been out? Se- seven years. That was your prime time to come back and you did not do it like we needed you to. But who says it was a comeback? It was a comeback. Come on now. It wasn't a comeback. It was for a me. comeback for because everybody. Because Rihanna not coming back. I don't think she's coming back. And now that we've seen the Maybe baby that was her bump, farewell. And now that we've seen the baby bump, we know if she was coming back, it's no time soon. Maybe that was her farewell. I enjoyed the performance. I liked the contrast between the white and the red. The dancers. I liked the moving stages. They said it was symbolic. They said that was the sperm, and she was like the the womb. You know, people come up with all type of. <laughs> That's yeah. What they say. <laughs> and since she was pregnant, it was symbolization. The old school Tootsie Roll Pop or Al said Ooh. the world will never know how many oh, lists it takes to get to the How about you? Are you hung up or are you hanging up? I'm I'm hung up. I, I I like the performance. Like I said, you know, I think she came out and she look, are there halftime performances that have been more explosive? More features. She, yes, she didn't. People were saying Rihanna didn't bring out anybody. There was a lot of songs that she didn't do that a lot of people were looking forward to her doing. But look, she told y'all ahead of time it's going to be 10, about 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> okay. And mama gave y'all about 10 to 15 minutes update. <laughs> <laughs> I like the performance. Ooh, okay. And if anybody's going to make a moment 
out of nothing is our girl Riri because the sales went up, the streams went up, the draws went up, Fenty went up, everything was going all the way up after she did this performance. So okay, I'm hung up. <laughs> I, I'm I, okay, okay. I'm still hanging up on her ass, but um, because you miss her, you want you want you want an album? Is that what you want? Mm-hmm. No, I'm tired. You don't even I'm want tired. the album? I'm tired of it. Oh, you hating it? I'm tired of it. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> are you hung up or are you hanging up? By Chanel Stitt. We'll put we'll put the little tweet right here. She tweeted out this week, my grandma made me a cake for my birthday, and this is how it arrived to me. And I want to know if you are hung up or if you are hanging up. This is the yellow cake, Tony. I saw that earlier. It, and it started trending again. And the question is, are you hung up or hanging up on yellow cake with chocolate frosting? It depends if the cake is moist. It better be moist. Yes, we need a moist cake. You got to take that thing out <laughs> Let me out the tell oven. you something. If right that cake time. is moist, I love a yellow cake. Yes. And that it's is nostalgia. Yellow. We talking about yellow Very. cake with that chocolate frosting. I'm not a chocolate fan, but that's the only way I can really do it. Only way. It's so, so good. It's I am so actually, good. I'm hung up. I'm hung up too. I'm up there with you. That's that. You know what? I'm not going to hold you. It was like two months ago. I actually made it, went to the store, got the ingredients and made a chocolate cake, yellow cake for my damn self. And did I eat the whole thing? Yes. No, you did I not. I did, bitch. Oh my God. Okay. Who going to check me? Who going to check me, boo? <laughs> Who going to check me, boo? The shit we do when we single, making fucking whole yellow cakes at home, eating that shit, crying with the damn glass of champagne <laughs> with no fucking Valentine's Come on, seasonal depression. Home, seasonal depression. What the fuck? This is what we doing up in here. All right? I am done with you. So that is our hung up hanging up for this week. And y'all already know if you want to participate or if you have a hung up hanging up, send it to hunguppod at gmail.com. Coming on the Hung Up Pod live stage with Eric and Tony. It's such a pleasure, you know, to have you and we are truly excited to meet you, to talk to you, to open up about who you are and just your general mission uh, about the work that you do here. Um, so let's just hear just a little bit about you. Tell us about who you are, what you do. Um, just give us some general guy, um, just some general general things about yourself. Okay. Well, I'll start with um, I like them light skinned Puerto Rican, I Haitian with big complicated. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. I'm Talk, Talk it. We here for it. Yeah, for folks who don't know, that's the DeBrat lyric from back in the day. That's a big. Um, but um, yeah, my name is Yolo Keely Robinson. Um, who am I? I am a Southerner. I am, um, you know, a big auntie or uncle to many little ones in my life. Um, I'm also the executive director and founder of Beam, which is the Black Emotional Mental Health Collective, which is a national organization dedicated to the healing, wellness, and liberation of Black folks. Um, I'm a Libra, which is really important as well, you know. Um, and I would say also a um, what else is important? I also am, you know, very much so Team High Girl, so I'm very Megan Thee Stallion. That's very so. Those important pieces to know about me. We love Meg. Okay, we love Meg. All right. We love Meg. And speaking of which, YOLO, you were listed as a resource on Hot Girl Meg's. Um, yes. She she had the wellness page um, and you were listed as a resource. So shout out to you. 
Yeah, shout out to Beam. I mean, it's not just me; it's a team of folks who all make it possible. So we were really excited to be listed on the on the resource page. Of course, I have a lot of love for Megan, and yes. um, I was really she was using her platform to really elevate wellness and mental health, which is really important for folks. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yes, and like Tony said, we're excited to have you here, founder and executive director of Beam. Yolo Achille Robinson is also an award-winning keynote speaker and author. And so it's really dope to have you here on the podcast. So let's get into um the, let's just start with the with the basics. You already gave us a little bit about who Achille Yolo is. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Beam, like I said, you're the founder and executive director of Beam, mm-hmm. Black Emotional and Mental Health Collective. Talk to us about Beam and how this all came to be. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, big questions, big questions. Okay. All right. Um, you know, I've worked in wellness and mental health for about 20 plus years. And I always felt like there was something I wanted to create that was dynamic enough to help us reimagine what we thought when we thought about mental health and wellness and imagine how we all could be in our bodies and feel differently and also hold not only just mental health but hold the social justice aspect of it holding that we had to unlearn rigid and toxic masculinity holding that we had to unlearn you know misogyny and transphobia mm-hmm. um and really like at that intersection and so you know the real hope for being for me at the core of it is just like to build an institution collectively to do that, that can reimagine the ways in which we do wellness and the ways in which we do mental health in our communities. And so some of our work shows up in a lot of innovative ways. The core of it is that, you know, we train people who are barbers, stylists, activists, coaches, big mamas on how to show up and respond to mental health distress in black communities in ways that center our culture, but also center dignity. Right. Yeah. So that's, a heart and core of what we do as a training institution. We have different programs to do that. We have our Black Mental Health and Healing Justice program, our Black Masculinity Reimagining program, which is exactly what it sounds like, a space for Black men and masculine folks to do the work um, of actively unlearning um, rigid masculinity and the impact it's had on their well-being and the ways in which they show up in the world. Um, and then we have our Emotional Intelligent Leadership program, which is about retraining and reimagining what leadership looks like, because oftentimes People who are in leadership create a lot of unwellness in organizations mm-hmm. and organizations and institutions, as we might know. And so that's a big part of the work we do there. And then we have our grants, right? We have our Black Parent Support Fund, which is exactly what it sounds like. We mm-hmm. give economic support to Black parents who are living with mental conditions or supporting children living with mental conditions. Mm-hmm. We just finished out giving out about $25,000 to about 160 families across the United States that we gave out directly. So it's just economic support because we recognize Living with depression is one thing, but living with depression with other lights is a whole different situation. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. Like really holding that. So a lot of our grant making efforts are like that. Um, our Black Wellness Innovation Fund and our Southern Healing Support Fund. So it's kind of a little bit short version of what we do. Really training, really funding, grant funding and resourcing, and just trying to build a movement for wellness for all our folks across the country. First of all, um, I don't, I don't like how you just came in here and hit that thing like that. You hit it, you quit it, now you're rolling out. Like you gave us the Cliff Notes version, um, expanded. I, and I love that. <laughs> um, as a clinician, I'm also a, a psychotherapist. I have my own practice. And so I did my research on you. I'm like, okay, we're going to talk to this guy. I want to, I want to, 
do a deep dive. Okay. Okay. And the first thing that really spoke out to me was being, and you know, I've, I've combed your social media and the website and everything. And the really thing that struck out to me was how you said Bean was really developed and in response to fill the gaps in the public health infrastructure in our community as it relates to, you know, building community, you know, mental health treatment, you know, uh, first person language, identification, uh, mental health literacy. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work that can be done right now. You know, I agree with you when you said, you know, community mental health is actually a very broad thing. You know, it's about stable housing, trans rights, access to care, navigating through our systemic um, racism. But I want to know from you, what other work must we do? Let's go there. What other work must we do in this field? Yeah, this is a big question. There's a lot of things that come to mind. Um, you know, and I, and I, and as a clinician, I know there's probably, we can go deep. So it'll pull us back. If Absolutely. We, have, we pull back, you know, but, um, you know, so there are a couple of things that come to mind immediately. Like one, you know, Beam's, Beam's model is really built on the idea that first of all, the first responders in our communities, unfortunately are not often psychotherapists or social workers, right? They are often barbers or the hairstylists. You know, I can tell you how many stylists have come to our uh, training and been like, child, she just, went into a full, you know, broke exactly. down or she went, or she went into a whole fit moment. And like, I had to like really deescalate her mm-hmm. and I didn't have the skills to do that. Right. How much actual comes up in those in certain beauty salons and barbershops that they are left to kind of manage and deal with. So recognizing that like the first responders need more skills and tools and we need to build up villages whose all overall literacy is built up. Right. So like mm-hmm. wherever you are in the village, you need to have more understanding, more skills, more tools, more reframing, not just, um, um, you know, people who may be able to go to therapy or access therapy, but the entire village. So really like starting there is really important for me. P- the structural pieces that I feel like really need to change. Um, good Lord. I mean, we start off starting first, of course, with universal health care. Like we need health care. Absolutely. We need we need health care to be free. We need it to be accessible. And we also need um, models of of wellness that aren't just psychotherapy because you know a lot of folks are not going to go to psychotherapy individual one-on-one or have the access to it or the access but but we also need more group support right so that's I think right one of the challenges that like you know me and my colleagues who are do who have practices talk about is that they want to do more groups but there's a lot of insurance hurdles for that payment right like you know and trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to structure that because a lot of folks do need community to kind of like see themselves reflected and benefit from those spaces. And therapists also struggle with how do I get paid for this and how do I navigate this in the system, right? So I think we need more group care. We need to challenge insurance systems in terms of the ways in which they do and don't compensate therapists and other kinds of wellness professionals, right? Like we need to really um, challenge them to reimagine the way their payment structure, the administrative hurdles, all those dimensions of what happens needs to change, right? and then we need to think about also how we even train therapists. You know, I was reading Dr. Thomas Ensel's um, book. He's a former director of the NIH. Um, it's called from, from Mental Illness to Mental Health. And he was talking about how, like, you know, most therapists actually get some of the, their scientific, their science-based evidence training after they finish their degree, right? That they don't actually get interventions when they're actually in um in school, which is a problem because, like, that means you got to pursue those, like, right? Like, so some people are not pursuing. So what's yep. happening? education and also is that education really being deeply informed by like he- racial justice and healing justice mm. is it really um, in, um giving them the skills and tools to think about embodiment and other practices and so i think there's just a lot of opportunity for 
um, expanding the way education happens with therapists, um, expanding the field. Think about peer support folks and other folks having um, more skills and tools. I'm also really interested in like how we create a code of ethics for healers who are not traditional, who are not Western healers, right? Like are not Western therapists, right? Absolutely. I think we were living a, living a really precarious moment where, you know, some a lot of people are like, I'm a healer. And we're like, okay, girl, well, what are you doing? You're like, you know, what are you doing exactly? And sometimes folks um, unintentionally facilitating a lot of harm, trying to do things that they actually don't have the, the um, tools and skills to do. There we go. Right? And so holding that while also holding that indigenous healers are important. Reiki is a great healing practice. Yoga is a great practice. But everybody needs to be aware of the limitations of their tool and what their tools can do. If you're a yoga teacher and you out here with a DSM, maybe that's not your tool. It's actually unethical. It's actually unethical to practice outside of your scope of practice. Absolutely. And I think those, what's happening is that um, there is a lot of boundary crossing and a lot mm-hmm. of like uh, um, lack of safety that's happening in our communities. Because unfortunately, the people who identify as healers and in, in, in these other alternative practices tend to be more accessible to our folks sometimes than a yeah. therapist. Right. And so they tend to be the go to. And like, while there are many, be very clear, there are many quote unquote, I don't, I don't like the language of alternative healers, just people who are doing healing practices who are very ethical and very grounded and rooted. There also are people who are not. And just like there are people who have licenses as well that we know are not. Rooted. Absolutely. So yeah. I think we got to think about how do we protect our folks um, for the in that in those spaces. So some of the things that pop to mind, I'm, I'm always thinking systems level change because I feel yes. like we need, we need to structurally reshape the way we do wellness and mental health. And even some of the language, um, there's a thing we're doing right now talking about even I think some of the language needs to change. Like we say mental mm-hmm. health. And, you know, you know this, like mental health is really physical health, right? We're talking about our nervous system. We're talking about our brain. So like there's a way in which sometimes the language makes us think um, divides the con- the concepts in a way, like you know, doesn't help us understand how the interconnectedness of our bodies and our and the land and all these things. So I think that we need language shift, we need structural shift, we need lots more coins for all people doing this healing work. Um, and that, those <laughs> Thank you so much. I think that's really cool that you talked about that village piece um, because I think here on the Hunger Pod Live. Tony and I kind of represent those different layers. Tony having that clinician coming from that therapy perspective, and I'm coming from the life coaching perspective. Um, and so it very, it, it, it does depend on where that person's at, um, in their journey and their process and what they have access to. So I just think it's great that you, one of your missions is to focus on the collective village, all the people who are kind of pouring in. Um, and providing everyone with those resources because you really speak to, um, and you brought it up a little bit about how everyone wants a black therapist. Everybody wants a black therapist and mm-hmm. everyone's being told, go get a black therapist. And then when you go out, you, you, you start to see, well, actually there's a shortage of black therapists. And in some cases, the black therapists are, are worn out. I, I mean, I had a black therapist over a year ago and he was a little bit open with, with me about some of how the things that he was going through within his practices wasn't healthy for him. And, and so, um, I just think. I just love how you you highlight the importance of yes. um, the village pouring in. Yes. But like you just said, pouring in um with the with the right resources and the right tools and not um further perpetuating or or creating issues within the community. So I, I love that intentional work, YOLO. Yes, absolutely. 
I appreciate you lifting that up. And um, you're absolutely right to say that, like, you know, <clears throat> even in our network, they're the black black therapists, not just black therapists, but group facilitators, people who are doing healing work are exhausted, right? And there's a lot to be looked in there, right? It's to be addressed there. Like, so one, we have this issue, of course, the shortage. And then we have to think about how we also are doing care, right? And the ways in which, like, unfortunately, one of the things that happens in the field for people who are doing helping and healing work, and I know you know this as well, you know, Tony, is that sometimes um, the place where we're doing that healing for work from needs to be interrogated, right? <laughs> you know, like, you know, and so um, there's a concept that um, we teach in Beam. We talk about um, modern nurturing versus healing centered nurturing, right? So mm-hmm. modern nurturing being this idea that um, it is it is uh, admirable for me to martyr myself in the service of other folks, right? To actually desecrate and then dismiss and deny my own self-wealth, worth and well-being. And that is a concept that is deeply rooted in a lot of religious systems. Exactly. Misogyny. And what ends up happening is it produces these spaces and these systems where everyone's burnt out. Versus Mm -hmm. the healing-centered nurturing model, which really says that like, and my wellness and cultivating consistent wellness for myself is a part of my ability to support others, right? And it's less prominent. It's like there's a lot of like, you know, um, encouragement around grind culture, a lot of encouragement around like, you know, um, being fatigued is kind of considered a badge of honor, right? As opposed to being like, well, how can how can our healers and our wellness folks feel differently? What needs to change in the system? What needs to change in terms of compensation? What needs to change change in terms of strategies? We've had some facilitators talk about how like um, they started doing groups. And how the group dynamic itself made them more energized in one on one because everybody absolutely may, everybody may not be a good facilitator for a one on one doing twenty sessions in a week or something whatever that looks like right that might not be your practice you know what I mean so there are other things other ways in which we need to let our you know black folks our wellness professionals know they can show up and do the work you know so it's a lot of uh, that that needs to be addressed you know well I want, I want you to stay, stay right there. So my, my point of view is that healing should be something that is um, experienced instead of done. We've come to, you know, this part of life that, oh, we, got, we all got to go through a healing process. We got to heal, we got to heal. And he, they put it in the terms of healing needs to be done. Mm. I don't believe that. I think healing is something that should be experienced. With your uh, viewpoints as uh, having, having passion for community healing, having passion for community health, community mental health. I want you to talk about the dark side of healing. What does that consist of? Go there with me. So when you say like, when you say like, I guess the more difficult side of healing, mm-hmm. side of healing, right? I think it's so important to name that like one, that healing is not a destination. You know, like I can't tell you, I know you hear this all the time, both of you, you know, like I just need, he just need to heal and then we can get together. I'm like, well, girl, I don't know what to tell you because that's a long, that's a long process. Like, you know what I mean? It's going to take a time. <laughs> people don't, and people don't quote unquote heal or mm-hmm. reestablish relationships with their wounds in the way that makes you feel good or makes them what you want them to be. Yes. Which is really important. But I think it's important that people understand that like when you do the intentional work, of deciding that I want to begin to see how I can um, increase the quality of my interior, my emotional interior life. When I want to increase the dimension or change the dimension of how I feel in my body, when I want to increase the quality of my relationships and my engagement with people in my love life, um, that work will activate and bring up a lot of different things. And some of those things will not feel good. 
Some of those things will be mm-hmm. difficult. Some of those things will be hard. It's messy. You know what I mean? Like uh, so much of our healing, our healing path, our journeys are messy, right? You know, mm-hmm. like some of the stories about healing, it's always like frou-frou on a rock. And it's like, well, really, you know, people start realizing, oh, I've been lying to this person. I lied to myself. Or maybe I came to healing after I cheated on a partner, which created some harm because I didn't realize that was a pattern I had around sexual addiction. Like there's a lot of ways in which the yeah. healing, people come to healing in a lot of different ways. Or maybe I, I got into a very difficult altercation, like, and that was my activating for me to realize I had a problem or that I was in a, a victim in a situation or impacted in a situation. There's a lot of different ways people come to an awareness of a desire to change the way they relate to their emotional, psychological, spiritual selves. And I think that's so important to name that, that it's not cute all the time, that it's funky, you know what I mean? That you're crying and you're being messy sometimes. And it's, it's, it's all those things. And how to have compassion for the journey, how to try not to be as messy as it can be, like try to limit the messiness. Yes, yes, Yola. Uh, the messiness is how we learn. Like, you know, like people always come to me and they be like, Yola, you're so wise. I'm like, look, if I'm wise, because I have fucked up a lot. Okay. <laughs> and I feel and that's like, a good point. You know, like we come to wisdom by making mistakes. And like, if I, if I ain't wise, it's because I've, I've fucked up a lot. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, that that is that's a part of our process. And I think we live in a culture that doesn't, that, that thinks we need to be perfect. Thinks we need to have it all together. They kind mm-hmm. of push that illusion. And that's counter to the work that is called, the healing calls us into, the healing justice calls us into. You know? Yes. Yes. And I just feel like sometimes. Yourself. Yes. Go ahead, no, go ahead. <clears throat> no, I was just going to say, I was just going to snowball that with that. It, it's to fully love and embrace yourself is to also embrace the flaws, to embrace um, the things that are not so pretty about yourself. And I think that is, that's also a big part of that journey. Yeah, and also, that's true, Eric. And also that you may not, right? Like, so like even the idea of fully embracing everything about ourselves, that takes a journey. Some people may not be, there are days when you don't love yourself and that's a part of the journey too. When you like, when we don't feel good about ourselves and we don't feel good about our choices, yes. that that's a part of the journey too. Cause sometimes the culture where we're always like, love yourself, love yourself. People are like, what if I don't love myself? I need to start at this place first and not try to fake it to that place. Let me honor where I'm at. And right now I don't love myself and not where I'm really struggling with myself. That's the place where the healing can begin. But, but that's the realistic shit. People are not willing to address or start with people want to in my opinion i've seen a lot of my patients who had this unhealthy relationship with the healing journey with the healing uh process and want to remain in their disease want to remain in their illness want to remain in their sickness because of the benefits that come with i don't know if i'm making sense but the benefits that come with not being healed yeah it's curious like for me like i think that um they're definitely, I think it's, I think the two a couple of things coming to mind as you, as you were sharing that piece. There is a way in which our nervous systems, our bodies, our behaviors become accustomed to patterns, even when those patterns are not in service to what we said we want. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's a way in which we become accustomed to that. That feels familiar. Familiarity over the like not familiar something else that may move me into a different direction. I'm only closer to what I say I want. So I think about like, you know, like my, one of my friends, Suleiman, who's a mentor of mine, he's also say, you know, people often want the familiar hell over the unfamiliar heaven. Right. Yes. That is something that's very real, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's also, as you know, that like 
you know, the ways in which trauma functions in our brains and in our bodies, the ways in which it can lead us to become self-sabotaging for ourselves on our journey, that is a part of the healing work too. You know what I mean? It is very critical. And I think the other piece I will say too is that um, the positive psychology movement has been so, in so many ways detrimental to what's actually healing because everybody wants to have a, present the positive psych- the positive piece and not really like talk about the hard the this the ugly the uncomfortable and all those different dimensions of what really this work is you know mm-hmm. go ahead yola yes yes i just want to do a quick time check with our brother yolo um, oh yeah i'm sorry you know we can go on, on eric i'm sorry no 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 we, you're fine got i a just couple know more, that everything got a couple more minutes just a little bit okay okay i have right. i have one more question for yolo and then yeah, tony you you can definitely close up um you know, Yola, I thought it was particularly interesting. I was listening to a conversation interview that you were a part of. And, you know, this this conversation that we're having, me and Tony, that we're having with you today is is it's really heavy on the journey and the process of healing. So I'm going to just snowball that. And, and I listened to an interview that you did and you talked about how some of us in the community um, can turn that violence inward or our lack of expression has built up this bitterness. Um, mm. And when, when we see others, you said when we see others living truthfully, unapologetically, we see others doing that work. Some people can get angry and, and violent about that. Mm-hmm. And I wanted you to just speak on that. And what advice would you give to someone who is on their journey right now and in, in trying to heal, but they too feel like they're in an environment where Maybe they can't walk out and, and be their true, authentic self. What, what advice would you give to that person listening? Um, such a great question. Um, so many things popped into my mind. Um, the first piece is I think it's so important to name that we live in a country and in a system that fosters insecurity and feelings of inadequacy. And that because we live in a system that creates poverty, that creates scarcity, um, there is the very real reality that when people are appearing not to live in that or appearing to be in, in different places that will activate feelings of folks who may be still struggling with that right that's a structural systemic piece i've been in that place in my journey where there's i haven't felt good about the things that i'm doing in my life or i haven't had certain things and then you go to instagram and you go to facebook and those feelings of frustration and discomfort and come up in me all right and we all manage those feelings differently some of us it will propel us it will propel us to kind of do more in our lives some of us it will, it will shut us down and we'll feel overwhelmed some of us will move into a jealous place where we'll start trying to drag that person down to make a similar feeling that we feel right but the reality is we all and parts of our journey are going to play be in spaces where somebody else's journey is going to activate feelings of inadequacy or feelings of sadness yes, feeling yeah. in within us so I think that like holding that there, like, there's nothing um, um, abnormal about that, that and like being able to honor and name that like, this is what I feel to take the time to sit like, what am I feeling right now? And mm. um, is this is this I would say I would say that jealousy or insecurity lacks from, stems from a lack of fulfillment or a lack of honoring who you are. And so I'm always so when I feel that feeling, I'm like. Am I feeling fulfilled in my life? Well, how do I create fulfillment in my life so that I don't feel this way when I see someone else living in their truth and in their journey, right? That's the question that I ask myself. Yes. And I invite people to ask, like, what do I need to feel nourished and fulfilled so I can celebrate them? Yeah. For, folks, for folks who are navigating, like we all are, I think in many ways, communities and spaces where we, um, it is not safe to show up in all the fullness of who we are, right? You know what I mean? 
Um, I always tell people that like, you know, find those corners, those enclaves, those spaces where you can do that, where you can blossom, you know, where you can bloom. Um, yes. On those spaces, on those people, build those relationships. On your tribe. On your folks. Um, and understand that finding your folks doesn't mean that you won't struggle with your folks. It don't mean that you won't be in contact. That's right time it means that like you still you still got to do the relational work of connecting of, of faith of, of co- confronting and understanding that confrontation can create intimacy i think it's an important piece people think confrontation means a blow up or an abandonment when confrontation is how we also build intimacy right so many of our closest friends are the people that we had we went through stuff with and we worked through it and it was like oh you know what i not not tony's my homie now because we went through that and we worked through that right, right. So, so thinking the, those terms and reframing, I think is really important for our folks. Thank you. This was, I mean, a really dynamic um, conversation and um, getting to know you on a different uh, capacity, on a different level. Um, the work is not going to stop. The journey is never easy. Community healing is hard. It's heavy and it's exhausting, to say the least. I want to know, how do you stay mentally fit, you know? As you do this work, you know, as we close out this session, how do you remain grounded? How do you stay mentally fit? Well, the first thing I say is that I don't think I always can remain grounded. That, like, you know, I fluctuate and move just like the water, (laughs) right? So, like, so, like, if I try to be force myself, I got to be grounded all the time. It's like that's not going to be life. Sometimes I'm loopy and I'm like not connected, right? But there are practices holding that. There are practices that I do into my, you know, regular life, built into my life that help me regulate, that help me stay connected and rooted as much as possible. One of the things I think about is my friend Chani, she told me years ago, she said, your self-care practices need to be, um, they, need, they, need, they need to be tantamount or they need to be equal to the degree of what you're holding in your world. She said, yeah, so, and, she, and, she, and at this point in my journey, she said like, your wellness practices, you're holding this big organization, but your wellness practices are holding you to the same level and degree. And so for me, it led me to be like, okay, you know, I have a therapist, I have a coach, you know, I mean, I have a Reiki, a Reiki um, teacher that I go to. I have um, my practices that I do every day to start in my day. I start my day, you know, I have my tarot cards, and my wellness affirmation cards. I have my breathing practices I do. I do meditation. I have my sound bowls. I close my day and start my day intentionally. I build in practices that help me kind of like feel regulated, like my yoga and like boxing, because I, I know I am a system that has to be maintained. Right. I think That's about funny. what I do. And so I try to do those things so that when I do dip and become ungrounded, it's not as ungrounded as it would be if I hadn't had all that practice and all those um, practices that help me keep keep me connected. Right. So I think it's about village. It's about building a village of care. Mm-hmm. It's about building practices of care. How do you start your day? How do you end your day? What are your rituals for affirmation? What are your rituals that sustain you spiritually? Whether it's your Bible, your Quran, whether it's your Bhagavad Gita, whatever it is, building a daily practice so that on those days when it does dip, you maybe don't dip as low as you might dip if you didn't have those practices. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm gonna, he might have to come to Philly. Well, we have to go uh, we go, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do something because Listen, I'm over here. I, I'm going through it in a good way, but I'm going through in a good it. way. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I love Philly. I was I was telling I was telling them earlier. I love Philly, and I think that we actually have something coming up in Philly that Beam is doing. Um, so, like you know, maybe there's an opportunity for us to do something together while we're in the city. Oh, yes, let's collaborate. That that would be, be we love we love collaboration. Love Thank it. you so much. Yes, Eric. yes. 
YOLO knows all about collaboration. I know we're wrapping up, but um, it was so many other things that we, um, we, you know, maybe in the future we'll get to talk to you about. And it's crazy how you just tapped into that collaboration piece because, you know, Lo- YOLO and Beam has definitely collaborated with people in the community um, to bring resources and all kinds of cool stuff to the community. And so, like, we're going to have to, we're going to have to tap on that one day. How, the importance of collaboration in a community. There we go. And so, ladies and gentlemen, Yolo Achille yes. Robinson, founder and executive executive director of Beam, award winning keynote speaker and author, author, author. Yes. Mm-hmm. Such an amazing spirit. Um, I, I watched a few interviews you did, and people were like, "Oh, your energy is just so cool. Your vibe, they ain't lying, y'all." Day in line. It's not. It's infectious. It's so infectious. We just are so grateful that you took time out of your day to dial into the Hangout Podcast Live. Thank y'all for having me. I've been watching what y'all been doing and the conversations, and I've been okay. I see it. It's been really, it's been really great, and so many times nourishing and grounding for me. So, just appreciation for you all for holding the space that you're holding, and like you know, the people that you are inspiring and helping along their healing journey as well. So, just like much love. That's why I was like, when you say you asked me, I was like, yeah. Why does it happen yet? So I'm excited that I had a chance to be connected. Let's do it again sometime. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good evening. Good night. Good night. Bye. Wow, that was a really dope interview. So hung up on YOLO for dialing into the Hung Up Pod Live YouTube show, being the founder of Beam and all the work that he's done and continues to do in the community. YOLO is really, I'm saying he's a hero. YOLO is a hero mm-hmm. and an inspiration. So I'm going to go. Yes. I think, you know, I felt personally connected. I felt like he was my spirit animal. I said, one, when I dropped on, when I hopped on a Zoom, I was like, oh, he he fine. Yeah, <laughs> he like, well, fine, fine in yeah. real life. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can, <laughs> he said in real life. I don't know if I can do this interview. I'm like, this man <laughs> is fine. <laughs> but I said, let me be a professional. Be a lady. Let me be a... I'm a lady. I was like, ooh, okay, Tony, pull it together. You did good, because um, I didn't notice your your loins were on fire oh. during the... <laughs> no, I had to air the pussy no. out. And it's Let me not tell you just, something. And it's not just... It's, it's just his aura. Yes. His presence, his energy, his confidence. Mm-hmm. It was just... And, and, I'm, and I'm, let me get serious for a second, because the whole... His whole notion... I mean, the whole notion of him advocating for mental health. You know, that's my whole thing. I was like, this is it. This is it. And you see and you hear his passion regarding the work that he do for the community, why mental health is important, why we need to navigate towards different aspects of mental health, resources. I I was like, hey, I love it. And he really tapped into why that healing process is not linear mm-hmm. and why it looks so different for all of us. That's and what to we're give talking ourselves about. Grace. So I just thought it was a great discussion all the way around. Mm-hmm. I really want him, I'm hung up too. I really want him to come on like in person. Or we got to just go to the West Coast. Come on, Hung Up High Live <laughs> in Cali. We come have to, on. We might have to make We got to go ha- to the West happen. Coast. Creative director. We got we to travel. But <laughs> we gotta travel. We gotta get a budget to travel, you know. Um, because we're not gonna be y'all listening local there. no more. We wanna be bi coastal. Yes, yes. But um, he was amazing. He really was. I Love really that. enjoyed him. Appreciate 
you all for tuning in to this week's episode. We are so hung up. I'm Eric, a.k.a. Life Coach Eric. And I am Tony Purnell. I'm your homie. I'm your brother. And I am your friend, otherwise known as Delight Worker. <laughs> and we are your favorite happy hour duo. We will see y'all next week. World peace. Peace.